right, so we're in the last week of our series um, called The God First Life, and the idea behind it is that the law of the first things, I believe, is still alive in Scripture. Like often you saw in Scripture, what happened with the first of things, God was very interested in. And so you'd hear the first of a new, you know, the first of the, the firstborn of cattle or the firstborn of your children or the first fruits of your increase or all these things. God pays attention to the first. And so whatever we put first or make priority as first in our life, the scripture actually promises what you do with the first determines what happens to the rest. And so if you give God your best or your first, the rest is blessed. Somebody say amen. And so this week we looked at, um, hey, you know, this month we looked at, hey, it's the first month of the year. What are some things that we can do to just devote to God our best and our first? And so uh, we talked about fasting. Some of us went on a fast this month. Some of us are still on a fast. Some of us kind of broke it up over different times. But fasting is a way that you can say, hey, God, I'm pushing some things aside to put you first in my life. And we also talked about the idea of um, everybody says, oh, okay, you got to put God first and then family and then your job and then all, and they sort of rank it. And we talked about how a pastor had a great quote about you don't put God first. You don't say God first and then my family. What you actually do is you put God first in all of those. So God comes first in your family and God comes first in your job. And so God comes first in all of those things. And uh, it's just the best way to live is what we believe. And so um, we just had a, we had a great month kind of talking about it and digging into what God's best is for our life and what it looks like to keep him first. And I uh, want to encourage you that throughout the year, you know, look back to these dates and these prayers and these times and the seeds that you've invested in this month and, and just stand on those, believe on those. That, hey, when you hit a hardship or you have a mountain that you're facing, you need to say, hey, I, I remember in January we prayed about this or we put that seed in the ground in January and we believed this and, we, and just encourage yourself in the fact that what you did now, God will honor later. Somebody say amen. And so today I kind of want to wrap it up um, with an idea that we all know about. And uh, it's, the, it's the idea of prayer. I don't think you can have the God first life and not be someone who prays or not be someone who uh, has a prayer life. And so um, we all know this, you know, we all know, oh, I know I should be praying. I know prayer is important. But, the, you know, a lot of times in scripture, uh, you, you read through the New Testament, a lot of the writers would start some of their writings and they would say, hey, I know that you've heard this before, but it's good that I remind you. Or, hey, you've heard it said this, but let me say this. And they sort of are constantly reminding us of the simple uh, things. And so it happens, it's because we're humans. Uh, the largest gap in the world is between what we know to do and what we actually do. I know I'm supposed to eat better. I know I'm supposed to do this. I know all these things. But the, but the difference maker is the in-between it all. And, um, and so that's, I think, what even the writers are saying here in Scripture. Like, hey, we all know the idea of prayer and that we should be doing it. But it's good that we come together and remind ourselves of it and why we do it. Amen? And so one way that I want to encourage you um, is to be a note taker. Uh, when I grew up, I was in youth ministry, and our youth pastor used to always say to us, hey, you got to come here with a notebook. And uh, obviously, notebook or tablet or phone or however you take notes, take those notes because I believe what God speaks today, the first of the week, I believe you should be able to carry throughout the week. This is kind of like the starting gate, and uh, not because of anything I say or, or the church is a this big, great thing, and it sets the tone, but I believe, like, this is the word of the Lord. This is what God has for us for this week, and uh, I think if we can take notes, and when you go and study, and when you go into your prayer life, be praying this stuff out, um, you're not here by accident. You're here because God wanted you to hear this stuff, amen? 
And so take some notes, write some things down, and throughout the week and throughout your study, go back to it. Why? Because it's good that we remind ourselves. Uh, it's just what we talked about earlier. So, so the Barner Research Group, they did a study in 2014. They're just releasing some of their data from that. And in 2014, they polled Christians, Christians, and they said, hey, we need you to rank um, the practices of a Christian or a Christ follower, we need you to rank the things that you're supposed to do or the things that you should be diligent in. Uh, we need you to rank those and how diligent you are in them. And so they did things like church attendance. They did things like um, they asked them about evangelizing, so sharing the good news with others. They asked about tithing. They asked about um, worship time, so engaging in music or worshiping with like a psalm or something like that. And so they went through all of these things. And the thing that shocked the Barna group, the thing that came in last, that had the lowest percentage that people said, hey, we're not diligent in this, actually was prayer. Prayer came in last of the things that as a Christian we're called to be diligent in. Prayer came in last, which is amazing because Think about it. It's our communication with our creator. You know, it's, it's our God. And so I thought about it this way. I thought, man, it's interesting that that happened because if the enemy could really knock us off, if he could really knock us offline, what would be the best way to take us out? If you've ever watched a war movie or followed any war strategy, you know one of the first things they do in war is they try to knock out what? Communication. If there's any way we can get these people to stop communicating, then we have a better chance at defeating them or having victory. And I feel like the, the enemy or evil has the same tactics towards us. I think he says, hey, if I can get them to stop communicating with God or being in communication or relationship with their God, I have a much better chance of defeating them. Somebody say amen. And, uh, and so I think that's probably what we're seeing is, hey, in these times, where there's all these confusing reports and, you know, there's all this misdoctrine and there's all this and that being said about the Bible. And blah, if I can get them to be sort of disconnected from God or not in communication, uh, maybe they have a better chance at winning. And so I, th I found it interesting that, that that's how that came up. I thought about it like this. Your marriage, you know, for those of you that are married and maybe you could kind of parlay it into some other relationship scenarios. But I thought about it like this. Uh, it's interesting in that data that it says, hey, we went to church. Like, yeah, we were diligent. We went to church. Um, maybe we told the others, we told others about good news. You know, the good news. We evangelized. Um, we served in our church or we sang worship music. We did those things, but we didn't pray. We didn't pray. We weren't very prayerful. And so not that going to church is a chore, not that serving in church is a chore, uh, not that those things are chores, but... Those things are things that you set out to do, uh, not in a chore way, but hey, you know, those are some things that we do as Christians. We do that and we do that. So my example is this. Imagine in your marriage, um, if your only communication with your spouse was when you were doing the grocery shopping and talking about grocery shopping or you were doing the bills or you were doing chores. What if your only time together in communication was when you were essentially handling the business of life? Would that be a very deep relationship? Would that be a very fulfilling connection and relationship? No, it wouldn't. 
because our relationship, what we value in marriage, what we, what we value in relationship is, is the times when you dream together or you talk together or you, you share your heart with one another or, or you identify things about each other like, oh, that is your thing and that is your thing. Oh, oh, your heart's desire is that and your heart's desire is that. And so that's essentially how you fall in love. You fall in love not with like, man, she, I'm going to marry her. She knows how to grocery shop. <laughs> like, trust me. My wife is very organized, has giftings in like organization. Like my handwriting is terrible. And so I'm not, I'm literally not even allowed to write on the grocery list. Like if there's something I'm going to forget and I write it, she comes in like, oh, rips it off, starts it over. Is that a lie? That's not a lie. She rewrites it. And so when we bought a house in Kalamazoo area, she had this great idea to um, the front of our cab, like this whole wall was our pantry, and she did one whole thing, chalkboard, and she would write the grocery list on it. Well, like, I'm an instigator. And so you don't put a chalkboard in the middle of our kitchen and expect me not to mess it up, right? So, and then the, the best part on bunny trailing, the best part, too, is intentionally I would misspell words. I would write it as nice as I could, but I'd misspell it. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. People could come in here and see you don't know how to spell. Like... <laughs> But I didn't marry her because of those abilities. I married her because we could dream together, because we had like passions, because I was like, oh, hey, this could work. We have like passions. We have these same things. And so I believe our relationship with God should be that way too. Not like, oh, hey, I'm in a relationship with God because you know, we have church and, and we give fruit. And those things are good. Those are passion things. But I think God is desiring that on a daily basis, we dream together and we engage together and we share together and we see ourselves more than where we are. We can get with God and say, hey, God, we're here, but, but I trust that you can take me here. Call me out into the deep and, and I trust me with this and that kind of thing. I'm inspired by people in the scripture, not because of the great feats that they accomplished, I get inspired by people in the scripture that before the great feat took place, they went back and dreamed with God and trusted that he could take them through that. Somebody say amen. I think about Esther, you know, the story of Esther, they were, her people were being killed and, uh, and, and basically they were going to be wiped out. And she has this trust in God, this dreaming with God. She goes on a fast and she begins to pray and intercede and talk with God. And he says, hey, I want you to go into the king and I'll deliver your people. But the problem is if you went into the king's court and you weren't invited, you would be killed on the spot. And so she has no invitation. She has no right or reason to be there. But she trusted and prayed and interceded and believed with God so much that she was able to walk in there. And the scripture says before she even got around the corner, the king was already saying, Basically, if he held up a scepter, you were, you were good to live. And so he holds up his thing and he says, hey, I don't know who's coming in, but whatever you want to the half of my kingdom, up to half of my kingdom is yours. It was incredible favor. So for me, the thing that's more inspiring is not the act of actually having the guts to walk through it, like, oh my gosh, but just the prayer life that she had, the connection that she had to God is a very inspiring thing. And I think that's where we're called to live. And I think as we talk about even the wild goose chase and reclaiming the adventure, that's what I'm talking about. Can we be a people that trust God to do some miraculous things? But I think it all starts in our prayer life, in our communication, in our dreaming with God. Amen? And so we have to do more than just kind of go through the motions or the business of being a Christian. I think we have to carve out time to be in that relationship with God. 
Mark chapter 11, verse 24. It says, therefore, I say unto you, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So we're talking about prayer. Here's an important thing about prayer. Therefore, I say unto you, whatever things you desire when you pray, that number one means you have, to, you have to discover, you have to come up with like, what are some of your desires for your life? You have to have a plan. If we're talking about the God first life, what are the desires in your heart? What are the things you want God to do in your life this year? What are the things you want God to do in your family this year? What are those desires? And then it says this. So therefore, I say unto you, whatever things you desire, and then it says, when you pray, Assuming that, hey, we're going to be praying people. Like, it's important. If you want your desires met, you have to be a person who prays. We don't leave it up to the church prayer team. We don't leave it up to grandma. We don't leave it up to, you know, the pastor or whatever. We have to be a people that for our desires to be met in this life, we have to be a person who prays. And then it says, when we pray, believe that you will receive them and you should have them. And so my encouragement to you is have desires. Believe that God wants to give you those desires. But the kicker in there is prayer. We have to be a people who pray. Second Chronicles 7.14, it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Prayer is always a part or the beginning of restoration. Notice the first part, all of those other things of restoration. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then all these other things will fall into place. It starts with prayer. It starts with this desire to be in relationship with God. We always talk about this. Uh, the last few weeks we've talked about it's not about seeking the hand of God. It's about seeking the face of God. To be in the relationship, the full relationship with God that you're called to be in, it's not just saying, hey, God's going to get me that, and he's going to get me that, and he's going to get me that. I think church has done a bad job boiling Christianity down to like a blessings machine. Like, oh, come over to God and pull the lever, and he'll give you your 10 best life steps. And da -da. There's more to it than that. Just the relationship, seeking the face of God, uh, is, is a lot better than even the blessings of the hand of God. Amen? And so for restoration to take place in our life, one of the requirements is prayer. But notice it said this. It said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Here's what I want you to catch this morning. The requirement of prayer was this. Just be humble. Just be humble. And so a lot of us get really caught up in the tradition of, oh, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to say it like that person says it. And that person prays really beautifully and that prayer... You know, that person's got all the right church words to say, and that person does this, and that person does. The requirement of prayer was to be somebody who can humbly come to God and pray. Humbly come to God and pray. And so there's times where, where literally I say, okay, I'm taking this time, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to be praying. And so, yeah, you're doing all the big talk and you're using the church words and you're, because it's important for us to use scripture and put it into practice, which we'll talk about in a minute. There's times to do that. But then there's also times where no words come out. I'm just driving along and I'm just thinking, man, I'm thankful for today. Man, I'm just thankful for this. Or, hey, God, be with us while we do this thing. Or, hey, and I'm not saying any of this. But I'm just praying with God, like, oh, I thank you for your peace in this. Or, oh, I thank you, you're going to give me boldness in this. And you're just kind of in relationship with God. You're kind of talking, you're just doing. And so it's like in your heart, you're having a moment with God. And so um, 
humbly pray. Come in a humble manner. And so there's also times corporate prayer. We get together. Um, it's, it's interesting here on a Sunday morning. We'll have a team that meets before we serve. So it's our volunteers. They'll come together and we'll do a little prayer. But also at the same time, we have a prayer group who's praying. You say, well, that's weird. We have two different prayer groups praying because there's different ways to pray. Uh, we have corporate prayer or intercessory prayer. And so sometimes it's a corporate people praying together. The other times it's people up there praying on behalf of others. And so there's definitely all these different levels to prayer. Um, but the important thing to know about it is God honors humble prayer, coming to him with the right heart that says, I may not have all the words, I may not have all the perfect this or that, but God hears my heart in this. When you're dating your wife, because we're talking about being in communication, so you go on your first date or your second date or whatever, you would never scold or be upset with your date because she's not sharing her desires properly. You wouldn't go to dinner and be like, hey, you know, pick out what you want. It's like, oh, I'm not sure if I want a thing. Or I'm out. She doesn't know. She does not even know what she's talking about over here. It's ridiculous. You want to hear a funny story about one of my first dates with Jess? Everybody's like, yes. Yes, of course we do. So Jess, my lovely wife, uh, who <laughs> I'm the one now who like eats terrible. She eats great, but I'm not kidding you. Our first date, one of our first dates, which maybe this is my bad. We were at Arby's, so maybe it was on me to start. <laughs> but I think we were just hanging out. And, uh, and so, we go, so we go to Arby's, and it's, and it's like, hey, what do you want? And she orders, uh, I think I ordered just a regular roast beef. So not that that's any better, but I get the regular roast beef and fries and a drink. And, uh, and she gets the beef and cheddar. So she's kind of like, this hers has cheese. Okay. She's like, going to go for it. Cheese, you know? Like, okay, the smother cheese, you know? Okay. I say, hey, so she wants a cheesy one or whatever. Okay, and then she's like, and then get a cup of cheese. I was like, do you, on the thing? Do you need more on the thing? She, no, that's for my fries. I was like, whoa, we're going to get after it with this cheese. And uh, yes, she later introduced me to nachos, so chips and cheese, but made with Cool Ranch Doritos. And that was when I started going like, I think she's trying to kill me. <laughs> I think when you're making my nachos with Doritos, you don't love me anymore. <laughs> um, so anyway, you go back to the authenticity of relationships. I don't believe that our God is in heaven going like, oh, they don't know how to pray. They don't know how to, they don't know how to say it right. They, they didn't talk long enough. They didn't, I think God understands the, de- well, we know that because the scripture says he understands the desires of your heart and it's about quality time. Amen. Same thing with my daughter. I'm not going to be like, you didn't ask for it right. You, how come you don't know how to talk? Don't come back to me until you know the English language. <laughs> I know how to interpret the desires of her heart and get her princess fruit snacks, right? Somebody say amen. <laughs> and so James 5.13 talks about this. It says this. It says, if, any, if anyone among you in tr- is in trouble, or if anyone among you is in trouble, let him pray. And what I love about this is... We should pray. That one's in trouble. Uh, so here's the deal. If anyone among you is in trouble, let them pray. Is here. It's on, it's on us. It says, let him pray. Let us as an individual be a person who can pray. I think a lot of times, too, we, we look to the pastor or we look to the church or we look to the prayer team, and all those things are good. We hope that you look to us because we want to pray with you. But a lot of times, God has just put us in a position where you can do it. You can pray. God is there with you. And, uh, and so be in, an, in a place 
where you can have this confidence that, that God's with you. He, he's with you when you pray. He's with you in the things. If it matters to you, it matters to God. Matthew 6, 5 talks about this. It says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you that they have their reward. And so but scripture's talking about they're out there doing it just to be seen. They're posting it to their Facebook. They're making it a big deal about how holy they are. Somebody say amen. And uh, they're out there to be seen. They want people to know that, you know, it's a big deal. And listen, I'm not against Facebook posting and all that. We do it at different church things here. But we all know the difference when, when people's heart are to be seen. You ever go to the restaurant, family's talking, whatever, it gets to prayer time. All of a sudden, the guy's voice gets like a thousand times louder <laughs> than just when he's in normal conversation because he wants the restaurant to know he's praying. We, you know, we all know when somebody's like putting on the show. And so the scripture's saying, hey, that's not what it's about. And the scripture's saying that they have their reward. Being seen is their reward. Uh, verse six says, but when you go, or but when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward openly. The point of that there is this. God wants your prayer life and your prayer time to be relationship with him, to be quality time with him. So it's saying, hey, don't get all caught up on the street corners and being seen or whatever. Go to a place where we can be together, where it can be about the desires of your heart and our time together. Verse seven, and when you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Verse eight, therefore do not be like them, for the father knows the things that you need before you ask. The father, the father knows the things before you ask. So again, keeping it in relationship, marriage example. With my wife, she basically knows the way um, the desires of my heart or the way that, that I sort of do things. And so every time we communicate together, I'm not going over the same things. Well, honey, um, here's how I like my, it's me again. It's me here, Lord. And uh, I desireth my scrambled eggs to be uh, this way and and you don't, I don't put on this thing of like, oh, here's me and my heart desire. I can't, she's like, hey, eggs, like, how are we doing the eggs tonight? Is it like fried? Or are we doing scrambled? Or like, what are we doing with the, do you want cheese? No cheese? Well, if it's you, honey, we're doing extra cheese because the, <laughs> putting the things on the cheese. Now that I think about it, I'm really going to out you. Uh, we went to the fat burrito yesterday and it was at about 1045. So my CrossFit friends were actually doing their workout and I was at fat burrito. <laughs> And uh, it was 11, actually. I saw them leave, and I was, like, eating nachos. And um, Lord, forgive me, because I don't care. But um, so <clears throat> she got nachos yesterday, and what kind of cheese did you get on it? Both. <laughs> so she got both. Because they have the cheesy, like the sauce, and then they have the, sh the shredded. And I was like, oh, I'll have the shredded. And the guy was like, well, what about you? And she was like, both. <laughs> Pregnant. Here, I can do it. <laughs> She's just walking in all kinds of favor over there at the burrito. So, so back it up to a holy moment. Um, God knows who you are. He knows how you operate. He knows the desires of your heart. And so in prayer, I think we waste a lot of time almost like reintroducing ourselves and God's me here again. And, you know, I got the kids and, you know, those kids, we need help with those kids. And, my, you know, like just, just get into it with God. Like, you know, hey, God. Uh, love you. I'm thankful for everything in my life, and here's where we're at. And da da da. Come humbly, not with all these words and vain repetitions and all this waste of time. Do you be your relationship with God because that's His desire. 
Go into a place where you can be together. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. God's promises to you are that when you ask, it will be given to you. James 4, 1, it says this, where do war and fights come from? Uh, where, where do war and fight, fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires or pleasure? Verse two, the lust, you lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. So much of evil in so many ways that we get off track and we miss and we get into this kind of stuff is simply because we have desires that we try to make on our own. We try to make happen on our own. So instead of going to God and seeking God and seeing, we say, hey, what can I make in my own world? What can I make up by my own hand? And the scripture saying we have all these things that turn into war and battle and all these kind of things. It's saying you have not because you don't ask. It's basically saying like you go out and you do a lot of damage because you're not taking the time to just seek God about it in the beginning. Somebody say amen. First John five fourteen says, now this, 1 John 5, 14, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So here's the kicker. Here's the one thing that you kind of need to know in prayer, is it says this. It says, this confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So in prayer, there is one important step in that one thing, as far as like a routine or one thing you got to, and that's knowing the will of God. You say, oh, how do I know the will of God? Well, if I were to leave you a will, so I'm passing away, I'm leaving you a will tomorrow, what would I do? I would get out paper and I would write to you instructions or my words. I would leave for you my desires for your life. I would put in words. God did that same thing. That's called the scripture or the Bible. God's will for your life is written in his words. Somebody say amen. So to pray with confidence according to his will it's lining yourself up with the words of God, the Bible, the word of God. So if it's in the Bible and God says it's for you, go for that. God's got that for you. You pray those things out. And uh, the scripture says, according to his will, he'll then hear us. Second Corinthians 1.20 says, for all the promises of God are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. Your prayers will be answered and your prayers not we say, oh my gosh, you said every prayer is going to be answered and then people die and things happen. Yes, yes. And I don't have the answers for you for that. And I'm totally comfortable saying that, just so you know. Um, but the, the scripture says that the promises of God are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. When we pray according to God's will, not only does it bless our life, but it gives glory unto God. Amen. That's like the design is when we pray, God wants to bless us. And through that blessing, it gives glory unto him. Trav, you can come play. I thought about this kind of in closing. Ephesians 5.17. I know this is a lot of scripture, but I'm glad you're writing it down. Ephesians 5.17 says this. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Ephesians 5.17. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Listen, we don't read books. We don't do Bible studies. We don't come here on Sunday and talk about the word of God. We don't do those things just so we have something to do. All of those things are steps that we take to help us interpret and understand what the will of the Lord is. So a Bible study and those kind of things and book studies that we go through in our fellowship together, we're all in this together learning what God has for our lives so that we're not unwise, so that we know what the will of the Lord is. 
And here's why it's really important. Because Jeremiah 1.12, it says, Then Jehovah said unto me, You have seen, you have well seen, for I watch over my word to perform it. You can pray with confidence, and you can pray with excitement, and you can go into your prayer time with God, knowing that he is a God up in heaven waiting to perform what's his word. You say, oh God, I got this thing, I got this thing. And you take the will of God and the words of God and you pray those into existence or you pray those things out and you have a God who's up there saying, yeah, I can't wait to do that. Yeah, I'm glad you're claiming to those promises. Yeah, I'm glad you're cashing in on that because God wants what's best for you, but we have to jump in on it. So I just love that. We have a God who's up there waiting to perform all the things that he promised in his scripture. My last thought is this about prayer. 1 Timothy 2.1 says, I urge you, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and for all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. As Christians, it is our responsibility to pray for our authorities. (laughs) I believe If we prayed for our authorities as much as we complained about them, (laughs) you would like turn on Fox News and all of a sudden like he'd have turned into Jesus at this point. You would have prayed so much. Like as much as we complain about authorities and structures and governments and all this kind of stuff, as much as we complain about it, if we turn that much time into prayer for them, I think we'd see a lot better success. That deserves a good amen. Somebody say amen. (laughs) Okay. So our responsibility here. The word was urge. I urge you, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and for all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness. I'm not taking a stand on one side or another. That's not my way of saying like I condone or I'm, I'm just saying regardless, we pray for authorities because we're urged to, because it promises peaceful, quiet lives in godliness and holiness, which is all of our desire. Amen couple thoughts here, leaving. These are some good things to write down. There's a statement that I heard when we were planting this church. Somebody, you know, a lot of church cliches, and I'm not saying they're all bad, but somebody told us about planting this church when we didn't know how it was going to work or how it was going to, and he's kind of said, he said, listen, the most important thing you can do is pray the price, not pay the price, pray the price, meaning like do the grind in prayer, do the battle, like do the effort, make, pray the price and then God will honor it. Like just make sure your effort isn't done by your own hand or by your own desire, by do it through prayer. I love this by Mark Batterson. He's got a book called The Circle Maker and it says, bold prayers honor God and God honors bold prayers. God isn't offended by your biggest dreams or boldest prayers. He's offended by anything less. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, they're insulting to God. How many of us pray really safe prayers every day? God, help me while I do all this stuff on my own, right? It's kind of easy for us to say, hey, God, be with me while I handle my life on my own. We should be praying, praying the impossible. God, I need you. There's no other way. I love this. Uh, who you become is determined by how you pray. Ultimately, the transcript of your prayers becomes the script of your life. The greatest tragedy in life 
The greatest tragedy in life is the prayers that go unanswered because they go unasked. Like, what are the things in your life that you can trust God with more or you can trust God to handle or to heal or to restore? What's that dream? What's that desire? What's that thing that, you, you know, God's nudging you and you're saying, oh, I don't know if I can. Trust God. Pray through those things. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest, they called him the Prince of Preachers. All this notoriety, notoriety all this stuff, they, uh, books and books, and, and I read his books and just all this incredible stuff. And one day there was a group who traveled to his church and they said, hey, we want to come see the success of this church. We want to come see how you were able to do this and how you were able to have all this great ministry. And they said, okay, come with me. And so they didn't go to the auditorium. They didn't go to the sanctuary. They didn't go to his office. They didn't go to his study. They didn't go to any of that. He began to lead them to the basement. It's like, oh, what's going on down here? You know, this is going to be, you know, this secret study. He's going to have all his books or anything. And they, they were in the basement of this church and they walked and they begin to hear noise and he eventually gets to this room and he opens the door and it's a room full of people praying. Just praying, 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 praying. And he says, this is the engine room of the church. Basically, this is the guts of the church or this is the guts of what God's called us to do. It starts here. This is the engine room. And he said, his words would fall flat. Everything that we would do in the community, all the things that we put our hand to, that we believe in, Kids Hope, the mission, all the things that we do. If those things aren't driven by prayer, they won't be as effective as they're called to be. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? The engine room of your life, of your family, of your job, the engine room of everything that you put your hand to, your business, your goals, all of that, the engine room of all of those things should be prayer should be taking time to pray. And again, not these big mumble jumble, but hey, God, let's spend some time together and dream and talk and have passion and, and make yourself alive in me so that I can be your hands and feet and be the people we're called to be, amen? Let's pray. Why don't we all bow our heads and close our eyes? If you're in here this morning, there's actually one of the most important prayers you could ever pray. It's called the prayer of salvation, or some people call it the sinner's prayer. But basically, it's a prayer that you make a decision to choose Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or it's a prayer that you pray to become a Christian or a Christ follower. What I love about the prayer is, again, it lines right up with this scripture and the things we talked about. It's not this big mumbo jumbo, like routine thing you have to do. It's the scripture says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that Jesus is Lord, you're saved, your sins will be forgiven, you'll be on your way to heaven. So maybe you're in here this morning and you say, I've never prayed that prayer. Or maybe you've prayed that prayer before and you say, I need to get back to that. And you want to re-pray that prayer. You want to make a recommitment to God. What's awesome is you can do that this morning. You can pray your best prayer you'll ever pray right now this morning. I think it's a great way to start this idea of prayer. And so I'm not going to have you leave your seat. I'm not going to have you come forward. I'm not going to have you join a class, nothing like that. What I'm going to have you do is on the count of three, I'll have you just raise your hand. And then as a group, all of us will pray together. And so you won't be singled out. You won't be embarrassed, nothing like that. But as a group, we'll all pray this prayer that I believe can change your life. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, just between me and you and God, if that's you, you say, I want to pray that prayer. I would love to pray that prayer of salvation and choose God. If that's you, on the count of three, just raise your hand. One, two, three. Anybody? I see that hand. Anybody else? See that hand? 
Anybody else? Awesome. You can put your hands down. Here's what we're going to do. If you raised your hand, just like what I talked about, you have to believe in your heart. God sees and knows the desires of your heart. And today you're saying, Lord, I choose you to be my Lord and Savior. What we're going to do is you're going to repeat after me, but I want you to know this. When we're done with this prayer, your life is forever changed. You're going to be on your way to heaven. Eternity is sealed with God through your choice that you're making, your confession of Jesus as Lord and Savior. So pray this prayer really strong with me in your heart, and we'll all say it together. Let's say this. Say, God, today I choose you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.